It's 8.52 here in New York. I'm Brian Gumble. We understand that there has been a plane crash on the uh, southern tip of Manhattan. You're looking at the uh, World Trade Center. We understand that a plane has crashed into the World Trade Center. We don't know anything more than that. We don't know if it was a commercial aircraft. We don't know if it was a private aircraft. We have no idea how many were on board or what, is, what the extent of the injuries are right now. We are. Uh, we have. I understand an eyewitness on the phone right now, sir. Sir, good morning. This is Bryant Gumbel. Could you tell it? Could you give us your name? Yeah, my name is Stuart. Stuart, where are you right now? I'm working at a restaurant in Soho. All right. So tell us what you saw, if you would. I literally. I was waiting at a table, and I literally saw a. It seemed to be like a small plane. I just heard a couple noises. It looked like it like bounced off the building, and then I heard a. I just saw a huge, like ball of fire on top, and then the smoke seemed to simmer down. And it just, um, you know, a lot of smoke was coming out, and that's pretty much the extent of what I saw. It is the 18th anniversary of the 911 terror attacks. Every year I blog about this, and I'm going to do it again. Uh, I tried to do it yesterday, but when I do things like this, I do get choked up, and I think this is going to be a really special podcast. I really hope you enjoy it, and you should actually go to www.dumbassestalkingpolitics.com and read the blog entry. There's a ton of video in there, and for the older folk, you may remember a lot of this stuff, and maybe you'll get pretty choked up too. Let's talk about what I was actually doing today, doing on that day. Let's talk about other major events that occurred in our lives because this is a key moment in the lives of a lot of people out there and I had a bunch of those and that's why I was so choked up yesterday is because there's there's a lot of them some of them are good some of them are awesome some of them not so awesome let's talk about that and let's talk about our kids today because they seem to be forgetting what 9-11 was all about. And I'm not going to focus much on that. I'd rather do it in another podcast. This is just supposed to be a day where we just go through history. My 50 years on the earth, what has really formed me and how. Um, this is one of the most important events of the 21st century. And... Uh, I, I think I know I'm never going to forget about it. It's been 18 years, and I think about it all the time. I celebrate it every year. I watch the same documentaries on it. And I watched a lot of it live. My ex-wife got to, got to see it live, and I can't even express what she went through. This is Gene, and you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. I really wanted to publish this podcast yesterday, but I just, it wasn't working out for me, so I said skip it, and I'd do it today, and I spent a lot of time with it and things like that. It was just, it was, 9-11 is a really tough time for me because I just remember how I was. I, I was that guy who was sitting on the couch, just like that South Park episode. You ever have, you ever want to see what I was like, sort of, not as bad as South Park, go to YouTube, type in South Park 9-11, and you'll see 
those guys sitting on the couches staring at the news wondering what was happening that was me that's what i did and my ex-wife did it we all did it it was just a very emotional time and i think it was emotional because uh, the towers themselves were just icons in our society uh, so it was very it was very hard to believe they actually went down but I, I'm getting kind of ahead of myself so let's 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 talk about what happened to me on that day and I hear this from a lot of people who uh, saw witnessed the JFK assassination or found out that JFK was shot I hear a lot about this from people who survived or witnessed or experienced were around during Pearl Harbor. Uh, same thing. And I'll never forget. So here it is. It was six in the morning, West Coast time, which is about nine o'clock in the morning, East Coast time. And I can't really remember the times. Uh, I know that something I, I at the at that point something had already happened but i wasn't listening to news i typically listen to music uh i'm a commuter a computer networking instructor uh, at the time i was a computer networking instructor and my classes started at eight o'clock a.m i like to get to my class 30 to 45 minutes early just to check on things before the class starts so we don't have any problems it only takes me about 20 minutes to get to work and be to get to I'm sorry it only takes me about 20 minutes to get ready for work and be on the road I literally showered I had my clothes out I'm, I'm done I lived in Thousand Oaks California at the time uh, with my ex-wife and three children I ended up with four children but at the time I only had three and I worked in Oxnard so I was about 30 minutes from work during the drive, uh, there's this very steep grade on the 101 freeway. That's the freeway I take, the 101 freeway. And it's a bit dangerous because you can lose track of how fast you're going. So I'm going down the, I'm going down this hill and I get to pretty much at the bottom. And of course, I'm kind of pumping the brakes because I don't want to blow out my brake pads or anything. Um, and that's when I get a phone call. Now, cell phones were, were really new at the time. I actually had just one of those Mickey Mouse flip phones. There's At this point, there, we're not even text. There's no texting or anything like that. So I, I, I flipped the phone, right? And it's my ex-wife. She said to me, a plane crashed into the building. And I can tell she was breathless. She was watching something. She couldn't believe what she was watching. And I basically said, you know what? It, the building, the World Trade Center, the um, and she called it, we called it the Twin Towers. The One of the Twin Towers is on fire. I don't know, I didn't know what to say. I, to this day, I'm, I'm not even sure what I was thinking about. And I, I at, at the time, I know I couldn't formulate a question. Because... How could a plane run into a building of that size? And even though the building is really hot, tall, it's not that tall. Oh my God. My ex-wife screamed again. 
And I said, "What? What? What? What's going on? Another plane crashed into the uh, another plane crashed into the other building." And you could hear her; she was practically in a panic. And I asked, "What? I are you sure when? When? Just now? I'm watching it. Both buildings are on fire." I asked her. She said, "Yes, they're both on fire." I don't know what else she said at that moment. I had goosebumps, and I really could not understand what was happening. The United States had not really, at that time, gone through a serious terrorist attack. Uh, now, in 1993, one of the Twin Towers was actually bombed, but it was so deep, the damage to the tower was very minimal. Uh, a bunch of people did die and were injured, but it was still not considered a real serious attack. People were like, oh, that's terrible, uh, but it's okay. The buildings are still up. And at the point, at that point, I don't think I, because we never really had a terrorist attack, I think I didn't put two and two together that this was an attack. The timeline for me actually gets really fuzzy. I got to work and I was sitting in front of my computer reading through uh, uh, the story on CNN.com. Now, mind you, the internet then was not the internet it is today. There was no YouTube and streaming video, no Facebook, no Twitter, no Instagram. You actually had to get your news from a website. I couldn't go to YouTube and type in uh, pound um, Twin Towers or whatever. I, you couldn't do that. All I could do was keep refreshing that web page and see if there was n more news. I mean, I could not even stream video. Back then, I know in today's world, we have 100 megabit, gigabit networks that, you know, they can stream anything. But back then, we were on a T1, which is a 1.544 megabit per second network. It is not much faster than a not much faster than DSL or anything like that. It's actually quite slow. That's when my phone rang again, about 10 minutes before my class. The buildings fell. They're gone. Now, I had a training in Philadelphia about oh, three, four years before 9-11. Uh, um, when we completed our training in Philadelphia... My partner and I had a full day before our flight out. We decided we're going to drive to New York because we've never been there before. Uh, we stopped off it, during the trip. We stopped off in Atlantic City. It was about a three-hour drive. We stopped off in Atlantic City and played in a couple games in one of Trump's hotels. Um, <laughs> we gambled, basically. And it, it, there's something strange, huh? 9-11... Trump Tower, who would have known back then? I mean, it was might maybe, you know, it's 2001. Two, at the time, it was about 1997, 1996. I mean, it was just... We stopped. Uh, after, after we left Atlantic City, uh, we got to New York and parked on the edge of Manhattan. So we had to actually take a, um, a subway. And the reason was Manhattan was an absolute disaster. You you could not. The parking was terrible. The traffic was terrible. Uh, I wasn't. I was driving at the time. I wasn't comfortable driving through New York. So, 
um, we got out of the subway and we were greeted by uh, the World Trade Center, the Twin Towers of the World Trade, uh, Trade Center. Now, at the time, I didn't know that the World Trade Center was actually made up of um, multiple buildings. I just thought it was... I thought the World Trade Center was the one building, uh, were the two buildings. But it's made up of several buildings. They were huge. Pictures do them no, did them no justice. They must have taken up... One building must have taken up 10 square blocks. I practically put a crick in my neck looking at how looking up to see the top, to see how tall they were. They were absolutely amazing. They truly were... They truly showed the genius that people had back in the 70s when they put these things together. It was... And as fast as they did. They were gigantic. Organic. And I couldn't conceive of them falling. They were just too big. It's like slamming a plane into Mount Everest and Mount Everest toppling. It, they just looked way too big. So, uh, because I can't conceive they fell, I said, how much of the buildings fell? I figured, okay, if they got hit in the top, probably part of the building fell. Um... And and I was thinking at the point, it, they can be rebuilt. That's seriously what I was thinking at that point. They are gone. They are completely gone. Was what my ex-wife answered. I hung up. Her words were confirmed when I refreshed a CNN page and a picture uh, of the homepage showed those iconic buildings, that iconic image of the rickety skeleton that stuck out of the rubble. And that was all that was left of the World Trade Center. It was truly, it was a moment I'll never forget. I, I was reading something um, yesterday that really, really made a point that 9-11 was one of the biggest turning points for how people saw the United States. Now, 9-11 actually joined us all together. It was really a, we were the United States. Left, right, moderate, extremist, we were all the same because we were Americans and this happened to us. It was bad. And I just realized, you know, there were lots of things that actually changed my life. Lots of events that were, uh, that made me look at the world in a different way. After the terrorist attack, I knew the world of terrorism and we were going to war that would probably last my entire lifetime. Whether we had boots on the ground in the foreign country or we needed to protect our borders. Terrorism had infected the United States. And the United States, being the greatest country in the world, was always going to have to deal with people who were just pissed off at us all the time. So I knew after the dust, I don't want to say that, but after the dust had settled, I knew that this country was going to be dealing with this 
my entire lifetime and possibly my children's lifetime. But it wasn't the only epic event in my life that made me what I am today, that made me look at the world the way it is. And I, I, I thought it was really nice if we could actually talk about some of those things. Now, I was really young. I wasn't sentient uh, during the moon landing. I was only a year old. I wasn't sentient during the um, uh, Nixon and Watergate scandals. I don't remember President Ford being shot. But I do remember a lot of things. So let's talk about some of those things in my life. And this is going to be like... Um, and Billy Joel's We Didn't Start the Fire kind of things, except in like blog boring blog form and not quite as uh, catchy. But let's let's go over some of those things. Century Fox and George Lucas bring you an adventure unlike anything on your planet. Star Wars. Stop that ship! The release of Star Wars. That's right. I know it sounds dumb, but Star Wars made me understand some core meanings. Good versus evil. Things are that simple in life. It's good versus evil. And Star Wars also changed my life because we, as a family, my dad would... I think he actually... He actually bribed us to get our teeth done, either get cavities filled. My dad's a dentist. Get our teeth done, get our cavities filled, get our teeth cleaned if we were lucky. Okay. And and then after we spent the Saturday morning getting everything done, he would take us, he and my mother and my now stepmother would take us to lunch and we'd have a good lunch and we ate it all and we didn't even understand the cost that it was costing these people i mean this was expensive we were all, there was uh, my stepmom has three kids my dad has three kids then you had my mom my stepmom and my dad would pay for the whole thing you we never really we never really appreciated until now and then we would go to Grumman's Chinese Theater because he worked right across the street from Grumman's Chinese Theater and we would watch Star Wars. And we watched Star Wars, The Empire Strikes, Strikes Back and the, um, uh, what was that third movie? It was terrible. Um, Return of the Jedi, I guess. I don't know what it was. But we watched all of them. And we did that every Star Wars film. What was really tragic 
about the Star Wars films is that they ended. And what was especially tragic is that they tried to recreate them. It's terrible. But I learned about good and evil. I learned that things are that simple. You're either on the good side of life or the bad side of life. I learned that I needed to control my anger, my fear, anxiety, everything from those films. And it's something that I fight to this day. And it really did have an impact on me. So what was the next thing that really got me cooking? That really changed my life? That's right, the United States Olympic hockey team defeating the Soviet Union in 1980. This brought pride of being an American. Now, understand something. The United States hockey team actually lost to the Soviet Union literally three weeks before the Olympics, 10 to nothing. These guys were professionals. They were not college students, dropouts, or anything like that. Most of the United States hockey team didn't even end up in the NHL, whereas the Soviet hockey team ended up going on a uh, NHL exhibition playing NHL teams and beat most of them. This was a professional hockey team. I felt nothing for pride. And there's another thing. It, it's kind of, this is why I don't watch the Olympics anymore. Because the Olympics are about a bunch of professionals in the United States playing a bunch of professionals and other. I don't need to see that. I, I just don't care. And the way sports people act today just really turns me off to it. These guys had nothing. Half of them were regular Joes working whenever they could work, getting jobs. Two of them, I think, made the NHL. We're not talking the entire team made the NHL. They weren't that good. Yet, they wanted it. They wanted it. You combine that with Ronald Reagan, who had a real, real American message, winning later that year the presidency. And this got us out of the disaster that was the 70s. The 70s were a disaster in the United States. I think the U.S. hockey team winning the Olympic gold medal 
changed the way Americans looked at the United States. Then when you had Reagan who was sitting back and saying, the United States is great. Hey, by the way, who else, who does that sound like? It sounds like Donald Trump. Donald Trump thinks the United States is a fantastic country. And here's a newsflash. They treat President Reagan exactly the way they treated Donald Trump. You think President Reagan wasn't called a racist? He wasn't called a bigot or a homophobe because there just wasn't there that then. But you can see the United States changed. And to give you an idea of the time, I watched this game on a 10-inch black-and-white television in the kitchen of our house. I did not see... I, I don't even know... And by the way, when the United States defeated the Soviet Union, that wasn't the gold medal game. That was to get to the gold medal game. They beat... I think it was Norway they beat. They had to beat another team to win the gold medal. It was awesome. And I think the announcer saying, do you believe in miracles? I I don't think you folks understand how unattainable the United States winning a gold medal in hockey was. The Soviet Union did not know how to pull their goalie because they've never trailed in a game. The coach did not know how to pull the goalie. Trakiek, I think that's his name. Uh, Well... I know that's his name. I hope I'm pronouncing it correct. Stayed in the goal the entire time because the coach didn't know how to pull the goalie. It was an awesome time. That is the time that I became an American. That was the time that I realized I loved the United States. And I don't understand anyone. And maybe I do. Maybe after tonight I'm going to realize why people don't love the United States anymore. They don't love the United States anymore because they don't have times like that. The United States winning the gold medal. The um, President Reagan winning the election. And his entire message was USA first. And by the way, the Columbia launching. I didn't include that here. But the Columbia, the first space shuttle launching. All this happened within two years. Suddenly Americans were Americans. At 12 years old, I realized that I belonged to something that was great. And I believed it ever since. I don't have any audio clips because they just weren't going to work but the other attempt was uh, the uh, Ronald Reagan getting shot. I was at school at the time. I was in 8th grade and we the video Reagan getting shot and a, a lot of people got shot that day. A lot of them protecting Reagan. A lot of them didn't mean to protect Reagan. They did. Um it was the first time I realized that a president was a real human being, that he could have died. And President Reagan almost died. It also was showed me 
how hateful others can be simply because they don't see politics uh, the same way. Now, understand something. The shooter, chap, I can't remember who he was, but the shooter did not kill Trump because, or did not kill Trump, I'm sorry, did not shoot at Reagan because he was, a pre- he was the president, a conservative pre- president of the United States. He tried to kill Reagan simply to curry the favor of Jodie Foster, an, an actress. It was that he was insane. And they found him insane. He ended up in an insane asylum. He was, I, 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 there was talk about releasing him. I think they actually did release him because uh, Reagan's been gone for so much, so many years. But it just shows that politics can make people do some strange things. See, Donald Trump wasn't the first who was hated by Democrats or the media. They hated Reagan, too. They hated Reagan a lot. All this racist garbage and everything else you hear about Trump, it was being said about Reagan. And someone tried to kill him. Now, he was insane or whatever, but when we hear incitement to violence, this is incitement to violence. Everyone... The news media has not changed that much. They're far worse now than they were back then, but they were already going down that road. The next the next big effect in my life was the breakup of the Challenger space shuttle. <coughs> to that point, the space shuttle was just going. The, the, the space shuttle program had just went. Everyone... It was launching every three months or four months or whatever. Eh, probably six months. But it was going up. It would do a couple of spins around the Earth and then it would land and yay, good for us. The Columbia launch was a big deal because it was the first space shuttle launch. And by the way, this is why I understand why a lot of people don't think we landed on the moon. It's because, you know, why bother? They got bored with it. We had... How many Apollo missions? Apollo 11, 12, 13 didn't make it, 14, 15, 16 landed on the moon. They grabbed a bunch of rocks, jumped around, took pictures, hit a golf ball, put a flag down, whatever. By the way, all those flags are white now. All the paint on those flags are gone. But that's what they did. It got boring and people didn't pay attention. When Apollo 13 took off, no one really cared. At that point, they didn't care until Apollo 13 couldn't land on the moon because it had that major malfunction. But the fact is, that's what was happening with the space shuttle missions. People were just like, okay, the space shuttle launches, gets into space, goes around the Earth eight or nine times, blah, blah, blah. Not a big deal. Okay. The difference between this space shuttle mission was that there was actually a civilian on board, a teacher. Did that change? No, no one watched it. We didn't care. I, I was in I was in my eighth grade class. Uh, no, no, I'm sorry. Excuse me. I was in high school when this happened, and I was in my homeroom class, and someone walked in and said the space shuttle blew up. They literally walked in. It was a kid walked in. The space shuttle just blew up. 
we had the CRT TVs. Those were the big giant TVs that they used for school. They used for schooling crap. Um, you know, Sesame Street, but whatever we watched in high school. And they turned it on and it was gone. Space Shuttle was completely gone. What I came to realize was the danger that comes with the territory of space travel. And there are always heroes. These people were heroes. Whether they survived or not, they were heroes. Because the reality is, they could die. There's a good 40, 50, 60% chance they're not coming back. And now Trump is talking about launching people to the moon. It was a big deal. It was a really big deal. And now, when SpaceX is launching their missiles, they're launching, excuse me, launching their rockets, I watch. Even though they're unmanned, doesn't matter. I watch. And I watch because this is the next step. Here's a newsflash. We're going to the moon again. And I do believe we went to the moon. I think all these conspiracy theorists who keep saying we didn't go to the moon... They're full of garbage. Everything can be explained. Everything was debunked. And I think we're probably going to go to Mars. Those are going to be heroes. People who land on the moon, they're heroes. People who land on Mars, they're heroes. The people who land on Mars probably aren't coming back. They're heroes. Anyone who travels through space is a hero. And I've always watched space launches whenever I had the chance. So let's look at the next major experience in my life. We welcome change and openness, for we believe that freedom and security go together, that the advance of human liberty, the advance of human liberty can only strengthen the cause of world peace. There is one sign the Soviets can make that would be unmistakable that would advance dramatically the cause of freedom and peace. General Secretary Gorbachev, if you seek peace, if you seek prosperity for the Soviet Union and Eastern Europe, if you seek liberalization, come here to this gate. Mr. Gorbachev, open this gate. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Even now, I have goosebumps. One of the reasons I don't talk a lot about this is because I have goosebumps. I, get, I got goosebumps. I got teary-eyed. I got really affected by this stuff. I remember that speech. I remember he was telling the Soviet, the premier of the Soviet Union to end a 90-year, 80-year political system that just never worked. And Ronald Reagan knew it wasn't working. He, Ronald Reagan knew they couldn't win. The fall of the Berlin Wall 
ended the Cold War against the Soviet Union. For me, this is sad. People today don't realize what we went through during the Cold War. There was always a new threat of nuclear war. I even had to debate someone on why the United States should continue its nuclear buildup during the Cold War. What did I learn? The power of capitalism. Because capitalism killed the Soviet Union. They couldn't keep up. They couldn't keep up because they didn't have the economy. The vulnerabilities of socialism and communism. Because people are not motivated by anything. And what mutual assured destruction is, which is, uh, well, okay, yeah, you've got lots of nuclear weapons. We've got lots of nuclear weapons. I shoot at us. Let's see what happens. We will both be blown into a into oblivion, but the reality is, you know, we'll be blown into oblivion. Ronald Reagan played the Soviet Union perfectly. He sat back and told them, okay, you want to keep a nuclear buildup? No problem, we'll keep a nuclear buildup. You want to... Um, you think you can afford your buildup? Great. United States can. Let's do it. And the reality was, Gorbachev, and by the way, it, it's not just Gorbachev. I mean, all the way from um, all the way from Khrushchev, they realized they couldn't fight us. It was Stalin who thought, you know, hey, we can take. No, you no, Khrushchev just knew we couldn't f they couldn't fight a war with the United States. And every premier after that knew they couldn't fight a war with the United States. Every premier after that up until Putin knows we they cannot compete with the United States. But what Ronald Reagan did that day was sit back and say you can't comp you can't compete with the United States. And I know it. And I'm calling you out in front of all these people who, by the way, were in Berlin. He said that in front of the wall. People wanted this ended. It was... I, When I saw the Germans, both East and West, because Germany was not one country at the time. Germany was two countries, East Germany and West Germany. A lot of people don't realize that now. When I saw East Germans and West Germans jumping on the wall and tearing it down, actually beating the crap out of that wall to bring it down, it was a powerful night. And if you ever go to the Reagan Library, there's a piece of the wall right there looking above Reagan's grave. It is awesome. You guys need to go to the Reagan Library. It is important that you folks go to the Reagan Library if you really have any interest. Uh, yes, they've got the um, they've got Air Force One or the former Air Force One, but it is an awesome library. No one understands how important Reagan was to the United States at the time and what he did to protect the United States. 
absolutely awesome. The Rodney King riots in Los Angeles were another major effect. This was my first view of racism. Now, I never, I never dealt with a lot of uh, people of color at the time. I dealt with a lot of Hispanics, with a couple of blacks. I lived in kind of a, a, a how would you say it, kind of a covered life. But I never had racism. I never thought of racism. At the time, I didn't know what had actually happened. But I did learn for the first time that race was an issue. And I was concerned and angry because things didn't seem to be covered correctly in the media. And that was the other thing that really got me. Rodney King got the crap beaten out of him. Because Rodney King, he wasn't on drugs. Well, theoretically, he wasn't on drugs. <coughs> and call me, <coughs> call me conspiracy gene. But um, they said, at first, they said he was on heroin. He was on some drugs. And the cops kept telling Rodney King, you know what, stay down, stay down, stay down. Rodney King kept getting beaten up. The camera, the guy who was filming this, okay, just basically caught cops beating the crap out of some black guy. What the cameras didn't catch is there were four other black guys in the car and the cop that Rodney King was driving and the cops didn't beat the crap out of any of those guys. So you'll excuse me if I'm not buying. Rodney King was always a heroin addict. He always had a drug problem. He died because of his drug problems. He was not a good guy. And when I heard Stacy Kuhn, who was the uh, actual um, officer in charge during the beating, describe, well, look, he stood up. Look, he did this. He did that. He did that. But the violence that was committed due to supposed racism was absolutely incredible. And it made me realize for the first time, okay, blacks and whites do have problems. There was a time when I was driving to South Central Los Angeles because I had a soccer game. And I had uh, three other people in my car when I was driving over there. And I was the white guy. There was a his, uh, guy from Mexico, a guy from Central America, and a guy from South America. He was a uh, Brazilian. And we were driving down South Central, and we got lost. It was not good. I was in high school. I was Obviously, I was of age. I was a senior at the time. And we were driving through the, the side streets of South Central, and we got pulled over by a cop. And the cop walked up, and he said, What are you doing here? Well, I'm looking for... Uh, Bishop, uh, I can't remember the name of the school, but we were looking for Bishop whatever so we can play soccer. And he said, get your ass out of here. They will kill you. I understood what he was saying because of the, because of the uh, riots. 
I was white. The other guys, they weren't white, but they were white enough. There was racism. The Northridge earthquake. Huge earthquake. It started out as a 7.2 earthquake. Uh, and it finished as a 6.7 earthquake. I don't know how they figure that stuff out. I mean, you said it was a 7.2. Now you're saying it's a 6.7? I, I don't, whatever. It was bad. Freeways were crashing. An apartment building lost its first floor. At the time I was in Las Vegas, I wasn't even in Los Angeles. We were on the 30th floor of a Las Vegas hotel and we felt the shaking. My ex-wife and I, we tried to get back to LA as soon as we could. Of course, the airports were closed because the airport in Los Angeles, they didn't know if it was damaged. We got back to LA, $100,000 in damage on our house. That's not what scared me so much. It scared me because we were in the hotel and it was shaking. What scared me was the aftershocks. We had 6.0 aftershocks. And I was jumpy. I remember we were, my ex-wife and I and our kids were eating at Red Robin in um, Calabasas, I guess it is. And the earth started shaking and it was strong. And it lasted for about, I'd say, 20 seconds. And I didn't do anything. I didn't jump up. I didn't hide under a table or anything like that. But I gripped the table. That was the first time that a natural disaster really got me. I mean, we're talking freeways we're collapsing. If you go to dumbassestalkingpolitics.com, you can actually look at the videos. I have the videos there. And you can watch some of this stuff. To this day, I have changed my view. Because, hey, we haven't had an earthquake since 1994. A really good one in Southern California. It's going to happen. Right now, I literally have five gallons of water... And a ton of dried goods waiting for the problem. I also have a gun. I also have, well, several guns. I have a medical kit and I have a survival kit. That survival kit includes knives, um, bandages, flashlights, things like that. The next big one is coming. That earthquake made me realize... You may not be expecting it, but it is coming. Finally, uh, well, not finally, I've got a couple more, but here's a good one here. Here's a good one, and this was a big deal. All right, Mr. Car Mr. Uh, Simpson, would you please stand and face the jury? This is Robertson. Superior Court of California, County of Los Angeles. In the matter of the people of the state of California versus Orenthal James Simpson, case number BA097211. We, the jury, in the above entitled action, find the defendant Orenthal James Simpson not guilty of the crime of murder in violation of Penal Code Section 187A, a felony upon Nicole Brown Simpson, a human being, as charged in count one of the information. 
Superior Court of the State of California, County of Los Angeles, in the matter of the people of the State of California versus Orenthal James Simpson. We, the jury, in the above entitled action, find the defendant, Orenthal James Simpson, not guilty of the crime of murder in violation of Penal Code Section 187A, a felony upon Ronald Lyle Goldman, a human being, as charged in count two of the information. The O.J. Simpson trial. It became very clear to me that race was important more important than the horrific crime that this piece of trash committed. The evidence was beyond anything. I know everyone focuses on if the gloves don't fit, they don't have to acquit. What? Yeah, well, those gloves were also in the middle of a musty night made of calfskin and only owned by like four people in the United States. Simpson published books that said, well, if I was going to do it, this is what I would have done. It was terrible. Even when reason and evidence left no doubt, I, I couldn't even, I couldn't believe it. I heard the verdict at Cal State Northridge while I, in between classes. The reaction was disgusting. All the black students yelled in joy and everyone else who wasn't black, that includes Hispanics and Asians, were in shock and like wonderment. They couldn't believe it. We thought, and I talked to people about this. I, I'm not making this up. I talked to people about it. Being black was more important than justice. Forget that this, that his wife was killed, that the wife who was killed, I'm not even saying he did it, but his wife was white. She wasn't black. Goldman was white. Forget that. That's when I realized racism is here, racism is back, and things have not changed. The next moment that was real heavy, real heavy, was the election of Barack Obama. I didn't want him to win, but he did. I didn't believe in anything that he did, that he believed in. I thought he'd be a terrible president. He had no experience. He had no idea how to do anything. I was, needless to say, I was disappointed he won, but he did. He, matter of fact, he was elected twice, for Christ's sake. At this point, I realized there's no such thing as systemic racism in this country. That we have elected a black man 150 years after slavery ended. And yet, this man made it seem like we were still systemic, systemically racist. He's a terrible president. He's going to end up being one of the worst presidents, I think, of all time. He'll be up there. Well, see, Nixon was not a terrible president, but he'll be up there with Jimmy Carter. He's a terrible president. He is the reason race relations are the way they are today. I mean, the blacks today... 
don't recognize that we elected a black president. You can't keep saying how twice we elected a black president twice. You can't keep saying there's systemic racism, yet they keep doing it. They keep doing it. When Barack Obama was elected and during his tenure, that's when I entered politics on my own. I don't, I listen to everyone and there are a lot of smarter people out there than me. Tucker Carlson smarter than I am. Ben Shapiro smarter than I am. I don't agree with some of the things they said. and I have a feeling I can out debate them on a lot of things. I became politically independent during the Barack Obama tenure. Last but not least. The president had been silent three days. His lawyers wanted it that way. But the political damage was rising much too fast. Today, drawn and bleary-eyed, Mr. Clinton joined the battle to save his presidency. But I want to say one thing to the American people. I want you to listen to me. I'm going to say this again. I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. I never told anybody to lie, not a single time, never. These allegations are false, and I need to go back to work for the American people. Thank you. One of the most disgusting lives in probably U.S. history. Absolutely disgusting. I don't want to hear about. Uh, I don't want to hear about Nixon or anyone like that. But this guy, actually, just boldface lie. Here's the reality: Bill Clinton could have actually sat there and said, "You know what? Yeah, I did. I did get a Hummer in the Oval Office, and that would have been it." But he lied about it. And this is what a lot of people don't seem to understand. It's he wasn't being convicted for it for doing whatever he was doing in the Oval Office. He was he was impeached because he lied about it. Between this and I, I gotta bring it back on I gotta bring it back on Republicans to to show this is a nonpartisan issue. The Iran Contra scandal with Ronald Reagan. And of course we can look back now at the Iran-Contra scandal and question whether it was actually a scandal or whether or not Ronald Reagan was already suffering from Alzheimer's. We don't, we don't know at that point. Maybe it was Dick Cheney running everything. It, it doesn't matter. Let's just say Dick Cheney was running everything. And Ronald Reagan really didn't know what was going on because... Republicans need to make Ronald Reagan into a hero. That's fine. But it just shows that there was corruption. And that's one of the things that I realized in the years is that there's corruption in government. And that I'm not that shocked that Donald Trump is calling everything a swamp and and I don't believe the FBI. I don't believe the CIA when they say, no, there's nothing to see here. That I don't believe that Trump was having secret conversations with Putin and that Trump 
that I don't believe that Trump was peeing on women or women were peeing on him or women were peeing on each other. I don't know what it is. I didn't actually read the transcript, but I'm not surprised because we were becoming corrupt. Here's, here's where I stand right now. Let's get to the point. Right now, I stand that the country has a lot of good in it and that the country does have a lot of faults. And there are bad things that happen in the country, but there are also good things. The 1988, the 1980 Olympic men's hockey team winning, Ronald Reagan being elected and fixing the economy, the fall of the Berlin Wall and the end of Soviet tyranny, even though they still have it. And when I see that Donald Trump is trying to eliminate China, trying to make China, bring China back into the fold, I support that, even though we are good, we may risk some economic blowback. And the reason is because I would rather have some economic blowback and fix the problem than what we had back in the 80s and 70s where we're worried about getting nuked by a country that wanted to take over. China wants to take over economically. We're in an economic cold war now. I, I think I've said that before. And China needs to be put in its place. And we will beat China. Because China is weak. They depend on the United States. The United States doesn't depend on China. This trade war with China is irrelevant. It's going to be irrelevant. 40, 50 years from now, it's going to be irrelevant unless Democrats win the next election. And then Democrats decide, well, we're going to wipe out everything Trump did. As I think it was Amy Klobuchar said, I'm going to disinfect the actual uh, Oval Office. Because that's what libs want done. The left wants done. Not libs. The left wants done. They want to eliminate Trump, eliminate his legacy. And by the way, it's a pretty damn good legacy. I don't know what the heck everyone's complaining about. The economy is flowing. The jobless rate is way down. We've scared the crap out of our enemies. But no one seems to get that. Well, everyone gets that. Most people get that. The left doesn't. And they want to change the United States. They want to make it a socialist country. Here's the newsflash. I've been through socialism. I didn't live in a socialist country. But I've been in a country that wanted to fight against it. And I wasn't stuck in a gulag in this country because I sat back and said, George W. Bush is an idiot. That's a dumb thing that Ronald Reagan did. But if Gorbachev, if you talk crap about Gorbachev in the Soviet Union, you find yourself in a gulag. Just like you would find yourself in a gulag if you talk garbage about anyone in the Soviet Union. To this day in Russia. Don't forget... Putin is a KGB director. 
This is a not a good guy. He's a bad guy. I just think we need to sit back and realize that our history is filled with really good things, really bad things. But we've always managed. We've always fixed it. And I think if we go back to what we were, we can fix it. So here's the other question. Are we already forgetting 9-11? Are we already forgetting? Here's what really bothers me. And the, the answer is yes. And I'm not going to play clips because this is really a reverent time. And it's not time to make enemies. But we are forgetting. CNN was blaming the United States for the terrorist attacks. We've got people on our soil that blame the United States for our attacks. We've got politicians who were elected into office saying that some people did some things that killed 3,000 people. What I'm really worried about mostly is that our children, the millennials, the Gen Zs, whatever comes there doesn't seem to be anything that binds us anymore. We had the Cold War. We had Vietnam. We had <clears throat> we had the gas crisis. We had the Iranian hostage crisis back in the 70s and 60s. But I also had, I'm sorry, my phone went off. But we also had the Olympic hockey team winning. We had the election of Reagan. We had the improvement of the economy. We had a strong foreign presence. And people backed down from this country. And it was the greatest time all the way through Clinton. I don't think Clinton was a bad president. I know that's weird coming from a libertarian. I don't think Clinton was a bad president because I think Clinton... You know, if Clinton had just sat there and said, yeah, I got a Hummer in the Oval Office. Fine. No problem. I think if... It, it, whatever. But Clinton realized what worked, and he kept going in that direction. But when Gore was running on climate change and all this garbage... And I'm not saying there's no climate change. So before you guys flip out, there is climate change. Human activity is affecting climate. I, I, I totally believe that. I believe that since the 70s. I don't think it's going to be 12 years. But I think that our kids today really need to remember there are good things, there are bad things. Hey, 9-11 was a really bad thing, but we did topple a terrible dictator in Iraq. We did destroy, all but destroy, I think we could have gone further in Afghanistan and eliminated the Taliban. We didn't. And I think that's the biggest problem, is our kids just don't see anything. Good. They don't have the memories I do. And that's sad. So, the best thing we can do for our kids 
is sit back and tell them about 9-11. Tell them where we were. Tell them the stories. Tell them about our history. And because they're not going to learn it anywhere else. So let's teach them. You can follow me on Twitter at uh, runninfool, R-U-N-N-I-N-F-E-W-L. You can actually look at a, I think it's one of my best blogs I've ever written at um, www.dumbassestalkingpolitics.com. You can listen or download this podcast at uh, on uh, iTunes or whatever Apple Podcasts, uh, Podbean, Podcast Addict, and you can listen to it on YouTube. God bless you all. This is Gene, and you've listened to Dumbasses Talking Politics.